Hey, I want to start today uh, by just asking you this question. How many of you are uh, morning people? Raise your hand if you're a morning person. Real high, real proud. Okay? Yep. How many of you, you're nighttime people? You are not a morning person. You're a nighttime person. You're going to stay up late. And uh, Okay. Those of you who are morning people, you may have never heard of Jimmy Fallon, all right? And uh, Conan O'Brien. And, and certainly you may have never heard of a guy named Johnny Carson, all right? Now, those of you who are under uh, 35, you may have never heard of Johnny Carson. Right? How many of you have never heard of him until I just mentioned him? Raise your hand. Nuh-uh. That's, <laughs> that's funny. There really are people who never heard of him. Um, anyway, he, uh, he's a television personality, uh, used to be, and uh, he was kind of the king of late night, all right? He was the guy who kind of led us, ushered us into the days of David Letterman, Jay Leno, and then, of course, now Jimmy Fallon and uh, Jimmy Kimmel. And so uh, he, he always, when he was introduced, he was introduced with the words, here's Johnny. Ed McMahon, his kind of sidekick, would sit at the end of the couch, would laugh at his jokes, but also would introduce him. They did over 4,500 shows together, okay? Now, you've heard maybe of those two, but here's one you probably haven't heard of, John Searing. Anybody in here ever heard of John Searing? John was a fan of Johnny Carson, and uh, his whole goal, one of his bucket list items, was he wanted to be able to get on the show and to be able to say, here's Johnny. That was his goal. He started writing letters to the Johnny Carson, the, uh, the Tonight Show for, with Johnny Carson, write letter after letter, just asking, dear Tonight Show, dear Johnny Carson, I'd love to be able to do what, just one time, what Ed McMahon does uh, every night. I would love to introduce Johnny Carson. And uh, finally, he had sent so many letters. The Tonight Show sent him an 8 by eight 10 photo of Johnny Carson and uh, some other things from the show and said, hey, thanks a lot. We're not going to be able to get you on the show, but uh, we just want you to be a fan. Well, that wasn't good enough. He kept asking and asking and asking. John Searing wrote over 800 letters to The Tonight Show, handwritten letters. Finally, after 800 letters, The Tonight Show called him and said, okay, we're going to get you on the show. They were tired of hearing of him all these times. And uh, this is just a little clip of what happened that night as he introduced uh, Johnny Carson.
That's my favorite part right there. Stop writing us letters. 800 is too many. Just quit it. Just stop. Well, tonight we're going to talk about persistence. Persistence is uh, the key. Persistence pays off. And today I want to look specifically at persistence in regard to praying persistently. You see, prayer is this beautifully simple thing, but it is also this very mysterious uh, thing. It's beautifully simple because, really, it's just us talking to God. It's us talking to our Heavenly Father. It's like talking to somebody we care about deeply, who cares about us deeply. We're sharing our great joys, our fears, our dreams, our desires. We're we're sharing what we regret and what we're thankful for. So in a lot of ways, prayer prayer is simple. But it's also this great mystery. There are some things about prayer that I still struggle with today, that I still am baffled by. I don't understand fully the sovereignty of God why he does what he does, and why he waits the way he waits sometimes, and why he answers quickly sometimes, and other times not. And one of the mysteries of prayer is this, is this question of, why does God ask us to ask again and again? Why does God tell us in the scriptures several times to keep on praying for something, to stay persistent in prayer? Why doesn't God just answer the very first time? Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, it says, continue steadfastly in prayer, or continue earnestly or persistently in prayer, being watchful and do it with thanksgiving. And so this is one of the mysteries of our prayer life, is why does the Bible encourage us to keep on asking, keep on seeking? It's a mystery to us. Now, does God have to be conjoled? Does he have to be persuaded? Does he have to be pestered? Do I have to wear God out uh, in order for him to answer? Or is there another reason behind it? And friends, I would just want you to know, God cares about you. You matter to God so much. He wants to hear from you. He wants to respond. And so why does he wait? That's the question we're going to answer today. Now, there are two parables we're going to look at in the Bible, both from the Gospel of Luke. We're in Luke right now. And uh, one's from chapter 11, one's from chapter 18. And we're going to look at two stories Now, a parable is just a story that Jesus teaches, okay? He's a master storyteller, so much so that we're still telling his stories today. So all these years later. And there are are two types of parables. There are comparable parables, and there are contrasting parables. There are comparing parables and contrasting parables. A comparing parable is one like we did a couple weeks ago with the prodigal son, where obviously the father in the story is God the Father. He runs after us. He pursues us. He wants that relationship with us, and that's a comparing parable. But there's also contrasting parables, where there will be somebody in the story that is so obviously not God, and the whole point of the story is, hey, this is not what God is like at all. And that's the way these two parables are, okay? Look at Luke chapter 11. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day as our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Now, obviously, that's just a portion of what we know as the Lord's Prayer. And notice, when he teaches his disciples to pray, he starts with the word, our Father. God is not some invisible force. He's not distant. Thank you, Bette Midler. He is with us. He is near us. He cares about us, and he's our heavenly Father. And it says, then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine has come on a journey to see me, and I have no food to offer him. 
And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me, the door is already locked, my children are in bed, I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because you are a friend, yet because of your, sh- your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. And so I say to you, ask and it will be given, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened to you. And the whole point of the story is, God is not like that friend. God does not have to be cajoled. He doesn't just respond because of your shameless audacity. He responds because he actually cares for you. And, and then later in verse 13, he said he is, compares himself to a, a, a father here on this earth who gives good gifts to his children. How much more will our heavenly father give good gifts to us? So God is not like the so-called friend. And then in chapter 18, Jesus tells another parable that's similar. In verse verse 1 it says, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and never give up. Look at that verse. Never give up. Keep praying for something. Keep asking. Keep seeking. And, uh, And so he just asked right at the beginning. This story tells you to not stop praying. Jesus said, keep going. In verse 2 it says, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with a plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused. But finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust just judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? So in other words, here is this judge that is unjust, uncaring, doesn't care about God, doesn't like people. And still he responds, how much more will your heavenly father will respond to you? So in this story, we see that, that God is not like this judge. And yet. We're still asked to keep seeking, keep asking, keep praying, don't give up. This is the principle from these passages, don't give up. And and I just wonder when I read that, I mean, have you ever felt like that? If I'm praying about something and you say, why isn't God responding? Why isn't God listening? Why isn't God doing what I think he should do? If you ever had that question, this message is for you because you wonder, does God care? Does he listen? Does he want to answer? That's what he does. So we're going to find out why. Why doesn't God just answer the first time that I ask? Here's the first reason. It keeps my attention focused on him. When you pray about something over and over and over again, where's your attention? It's focused on God. And when you pray, it's, it's one way that God continues to get our attention. Guys. The greatest gift you can give your spouse is your attention. Uh, The greatest gift you can give your kids is your time and your attention because your attention is your time. It's that you can get more money, but you cannot get more time in this life. So when you're giving time to somebody, it communicates to them, I love you, I care about you, I want to hear what you have to say. When you give them that eye contact, when you really listen, that means the world. It connects one person heart to heart with another person. One of the reasons God loved David is because David in the Bible gave God his attention. In Psalm 25, 15, David writes, My eyes are ever on the Lord, for he only will release my feet from the snare. 
David is saying, look, only God knows what's coming up in advance. I want to stay in good contact with God because I need to know what's coming around the corner. Um, you ever been on a mountain road or a mountain pass and you're coming around the corner, you don't know what's up there? You don't know if you can pass somebody, you don't know what's coming up next? About three years ago, we went to Yellowstone National Park and um, that is quite a trek. Not only to get out there, but every day you got to drive miles to get into the park and then you drive miles around the park so if you want to put on some miles go to uh, Yellowstone but we actually stayed in Idaho in a house that we rented with our entire family and then we would drive to Wyoming and we would go into Yellowstone every day and so as we drive through that mountain pass we go there in the morning and then in the evening we would drive back it'd be after dark one night it was late now we all wanted to see wildlife because that's part of what you want to see when you're in a park like that Really want to see a moose. How great would it be to see a moose? Well, we came around a corner on the uh, on the mountain pass, and we saw a moose, a big moose butt. I mean, it was right there in the middle of my lane, and I was not the first one to notice it, even though I was driving. Elizabeth, Jonathan's daughter, yells out, moose, and there he was in living color. I mean, he was about to get a big minivan enema. You know what I'm talking about? And um, it would have been a very uncomfortable situation for him. I didn't say that first hour. That just came to me. Um, anyway, no, it did come to me. I just didn't say it. But anyway, um, so, so anyway, this is what would have happened in that moment. And suddenly she yells it out. Luckily, there was nobody coming the other way. I just turned my wheel real quick. Ba-boom, I just went right around him. And there was no pause at all. So much so that I don't even think he knew what, uh, what happened in that moment, what transpired. But, you know, I've thought about that. How cool would it be if there was some kind of a helicopter that went just ahead of me when I'm driving on mountain passes, you know? And then I could know, hey, listen, they radio ahead. Listen, there is a big honking moose in the middle of your lane. F-Y-F-Y-I. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean. <laughs> so just go around it, all right? And... Um, and how cool would that be to have a little guidance out there, you know? And I think about God. And, uh, man, the Bible says when we keep our eyes on Him, we look to Him, Psalm 105, for His strength. We're going to seek His face always. And, and He's going to help us to navigate around those difficult points in our life. And so I think one of the reasons we stay in prayer is just for our own benefit, right? Because we think, well, I'm praying for God's benefit. You're really praying not just for an answer. You're praying for your benefit. You're praying that God will do something in you. You're praying that God will protect you, will change you. And when you give your attention to Him, man, He really is directing your path. But here is another thing. I think not only is it because our attention focuses on God, but really, when you pray, it changes you. There's something that happens on the inside when you stay persistent in prayer. Praying persistently determines my desires. When you first ask for something, there's a very good chance that what you're asking for at the beginning may not be the thing that you ask for a few weeks, months, or years down the road if you stay persistent. Because somewhere in there, your, your desires are kind of refined. They're kind of changed a little bit. Don't you know there are appropriate desires and inappropriate desires? There are good desires. There are bad desires. Righteous desires, unrighteous desires. And so when you have that in your life, you know, I, I don't always know. I'm praying for something that I think is right, that I think is the right path. It's something I desire, but maybe over time God will be filtering that out. So maybe what you ask for at first is not truly what God wants to give you. And it's really not even the right desire. 
when, uh, when we used to Christmas shop, we used to Christmas shop out of the catalog. I know, I'm totally dating now, but, um, but this is the truth. And like the catalog would come in the mail, you're like, oh my gosh, it's the Sears catalog. This is awesome. This is way before internet, all right? And so like you'd look in and I'm like, boop, I want that, I want that, I want that, right? Anybody remember this? And you like check them off. I'm like, mom, I want all these things. Now, one of the things you notice is some of these are desires. Some of them are just whims. I didn't even know I wanted it before I saw it. And as soon as I see it, I go, wow, I really want that now. Beforehand, I didn't even know I wanted it. I didn't even know it existed. And now I want it. Now it's something. So one thing that happens, and and after Christmas, what happens? You get that thing, that whim. It doesn't take very long before you're disinterested in it. Because it really wasn't something that was a deep-seated desire. It was just something that you just kind of said, yeah, I'll take that. I'll take a little of that. And sometimes we pray, we haven't really developed those desires out. Sometimes they're just whims. Now, I know the difference between a whim and a desire with our kids, right? Especially when they're young, they're, they stay persistent on something. Dad, I really, 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 really want this. And when they get to like 18 reallys, I know, boom, it's a desire. We've gotten there now. Psalm 37, 4 says, take delight in the Lord. And he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, a lot of people misquote this passage because they only do part B of the passage. They only just say, look, God will give you the desires of your heart. That's not what the Bible says. It says when you delight in him, when your will aligns with God's will, when you are, what does James say? The prayer of a righteous man availeth much. In other words, when your will and God's will align, when your desires and his great desire for you align, God gives you those desires of your heart, but you've got to delight in Him. So the first thing is, when you are staying persistent in prayer, it helps to kind of define and determine those desires in your life. The second thing is, praying persistently defines my priorities. When I have to pray for something persistently, it's not like I'm convincing God to do it. He already is willing to do it. But the question is, I'm trying to determine, and He's helping me determine, what are my true priorities in this life? Because if you don't pray about it, it's obviously not a priority to you. You may think you want it, but the truth is it's, it's not lasting. By the way, how do you know what's important to you? You think about it, and for a lot of you, you worry about it. The things you worry about are the things that oftentimes you make the most important. But here's the problem with worry. Worry doesn't change anything. Worry doesn't solve anything. Worry's like acting like there is no God. In fact, in the, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, worrying is what the pagans do. They try to control their life. They try to hold things closely. They try to make things happen. But he says, instead, you need to trust in me. Worry is acting like you don't have a heavenly father who's promised multiple times in his word that he will take care of your needs. And when you're worrying, you're saying, God, I don't know if you can or not, so I'm going to hold on to it. Worry is ineffective. And it doesn't change things. The Bible says, cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. And you know, there's two ways to cast, don't you? One of them is when I take a rock and I throw it in a lake and I'm casting that thing and I'm throwing it as far as I possibly can and it sinks to the bottom, never to be seen again. That's one way you cast. Another way you cast is when you take a rod and a reel and you throw it out there and you let it sit. And you reel it back in, and you bring it back in. You cast it out, but you bring it back in. And a lot of people want to do that. 
rather than the casting like the Bible's talking about, where you're casting that care on God, where you're getting rid of that, where you're not going to worry about that anymore, you cast it out there with a rod and reel, you let it sit there, and you bring it back. And you keep bringing it back and bringing it back and bringing it back as if God doesn't actually care about you. This really defines your priorities when you pray persistently. Jesus said it this way, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. That is a priority statement. Seek his kingdom, the things of God. Seek what he wants. Seek his desires. Seek the things that he loves and his righteousness. And all these other things, they'll be given to you as well. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow already has enough worries of its own. Each day has enough trouble. That's a priority statement. So when you're praying persistently, guys, what happens? Your priorities get a little bit refined. Here's another one. Praying persistently develops my character, and that's the big one. Because when God doesn't give you something immediately, he's testing your maturity. He's developing your character. Friends, listen, God is not a vending machine. He's not a cosmic genie. You put a little coin in, and suddenly he's going to give you everything you wanted out of there. No. If you tell a toddler that you can have something in a little while or hold off, what's typically their response? No, I want it now. Mine, 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 mine. They're not mature yet, and so they're, they're, they're really responding to the parent with just this frustration. I want it now. There's no maturity there. And that sticks with people to adulthood sometimes, where they'll pray for something and God doesn't respond right away in the way that they want. Now they throw kind of a spiritual temper tantrum. They start whining about the fact that maybe God really doesn't care about them and why did he ever let this happen to them? And, but friends, the number one cause of most of our problems in life is the inability to actually delay gratification, to actually delay and say, maybe there's something better yet to come. Praying persistently develops me. It matures me. It develops my character. I mean, why doesn't God give prayer answers yes immediately? Why does he not do that? Well, it develops us. And so don't just grab your blanket and ball and go home into the corner. Don't just pout to God how he doesn't care about you. Man, there have been things in my life that I've prayed for for weeks or months or years. Now, don't you think your Heavenly Father wants to give you those things? Yes, but sometimes he's waiting for the right moment. My best friend from, from high school, Sean, I prayed for a long time that he would come to faith in Christ, you know, for the right moment, whatever that moment would be. And we had a lot of conversations over the years. And you know what happened? 9-11 happened. And that sort of pushed him to a moment of, you know what, I think I probably need to get my life right with God. And so just me and him, one day, nobody else in the room. It wasn't on a Sunday. It was during the week. I had an opportunity to baptize him several years ago, just after 9-11. Now, I don't know why it took that, and I don't know why it happened in that way, but I sure am glad God answered that prayer after a long period of time. Stay faithful. If it's worth praying about, it's worth waiting for. And so, listen, friends, instead of whining, realize God is working. He's working. Uh, when we first got into uh, Access Church, we first our first year, we were in a daycare center. And we prayed that God would give us something there. A Craigslist ad kind of came available at just the right moment. Then we moved to the movie theater by Kings Island. Another church bought that um, after a few months after we had been there. Uh, and we really didn't have a lot of uh, advance notice of that. And so uh, where are we going to meet? Here's the good news. For about a year prior to that, 
I've been driving by this building thinking, man, that'd be such a great place for a church. How awesome would that be? I mean, and it's just an old warehouse. There was nothing in here. There was nobody, no tenants or anything. And I kept driving by thinking, that'd be sure a great place for a church. Look at all that parking. We could actually fit people in there. And I'd just come in here and I would pray. I would just pray in the parking lot. So much so that I remember one day I was out with another church planter and he was looking for space too. And we were driving. We had just been to breakfast and we were driving behind each other. And normally I would pull in here, but I pulled into Heritage Oak Park just to throw him off the trail, you know. I don't want him thinking, man, maybe that's the place we could go, you know. So I pull in a hair joke, I watch him pass, then I pull in here, then I'm praying, right? I'm like, all right, God, now, now that he's gone, let me just get back to praying. And, um, and so at just the right time, when the theater was no longer available, God opened this up, and we went, we'd gone to the owner several times, and now in just the right moment, just the right time, God made it available. Took over a year. Patience is a mark of maturity. It's a mark of strong character. If God doesn't give it to you immediately, do you just go up, go, go and say, well, I'm not going to pray about that anymore. He didn't give it to me in a month or a year or whatever. I'm just going to give up on it. Maturity, character is developed on something that you realize this is so important that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep on praying, keep on seeking, keep on asking. A delay is not a denial. God has not said no to your request if he just delays you. It's going to come about in his timing and in his way. I, uh, some of you feel like, man, I don't know because when I pray, I'm not sure I really hear much from God right now. And some of you have gone through seasons where you aren't sure. And uh, those of you who have babies you or children, you remember those early days when they were an infant and they started crying in their crib. And what would you do? Oh, my goodness, we've got to respond right now. Why? Because they were so young, so they were infants, and so you did everything for them, and you provided for them. But what happens over the next period of months? They start getting a little bit older, a little bit more mature, and then they start realizing something. They're no dummies. When I cry, dad and mom respond. And so now they start to whine and cry a little bit. But parents, don't we know the difference between a I really need something cry and this is just an annoying I really just want you right now cry. You know what I'm saying? And so we uh, were aware of that. And so in those moments, what do they teach you in parenting classes? They're like, hey, when that starts to happen, don't go in there. Just let them cry themselves to sleep. Right. And for moms, that's terrible. For me as a dad, I was like, I don't care. Let them cry themselves to sleep. You know what I mean? And uh, for the wives, they're like, oh, man, we got to go take care of their needs or what have you. They're like, no, just stay, just stay, just stay. We will never, ever go to sleep again if they wake up, if they, you know, get us out of bed now. And uh, finally, they go to sleep. They kind of realize they can, can, can care for themselves a little bit. And that's part of maturity is realizing that they can take care of some of their needs, right? But in that moment, what does that child maybe think? Maybe think, oh, where are my parents? Maybe they're distant. Maybe they don't care. I don't know what they're thinking. But for us as adults, so many times we pray, we feel like God's not listening, God's not responding. But many, many times, not only is God there. Were you there as a parent? You were close by. Not only is God there, God's ready, He's willing, He's able, but sometimes He chooses to not respond in a moment where, where we're, he's maturing us. He's helping us understand some things. He's helping us grow. And there's a principle there. I'm telling you right now from experience, part of growing in the Christian life is there are moments where God is silent, but he's still there. Second Chronicles chapter 32, verse 31 is just one example of this, where the good king Hezekiah, Second Chronicles 32, 31, God left him 
it says, to test them. God left him to test them. Now, he wasn't responding the way Hezekiah might have wanted, but God was using that as a moment to help develop and to grow King Hezekiah. And I'm telling you, God is going to test you many times before he blesses you. He's going to test you before he blesses you. You're looking for some breakthrough in your life, something you want to have happen, some great blessing before every blessing is a time of testing. James says it this way, you know there is a testing of your faith that develops perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may become more mature and more complete, not lacking anything. It's in the developing of the perseverance. It's in the waiting that God has now developed you and your character. So sometimes God doesn't answer right away because he's developing you. And here's the last one. Persistent prayer deepens my faith. Praying persistently really is a matter of trust and faith. Do you really know and believe that God knows best? Of course, if I ask that, you're all going to say, yeah, absolutely. Even when the circumstances are confusing, do you trust him? Even when things are hard, do you have faith in him? Even when things aren't going your way, even when someone else gets something good in their life and you're still struggling, do you really trust The book of Proverbs has a lot of principles of life. Here's one of them. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths. Trust in the Lord. Trust Him. Do you trust Him? Do you believe all the principles of the Scripture that that God says He cares, He loves, you matter to Him. He knows better than you know you. He cares about you. He knows more what you need than what you're even praying for. God knows what's best. Jeremiah, of course, 29, 11 says, God knows the plans he has for you. Plans that are good plans, plans to give you hope and a future. He says, I know the plans I have for you, but you have to wait on those plans in God's timing. Not all of them happen overnight. In fact, the bigger God wants to do something in your life, the longer that runway is to take off on that blessing or that thing that God wants to have happen in your life. So keep praying. Keep staying faithful. Stay persistent in your prayers. I think I might have told some of you this story, but several years ago when we lived with Jonathan and Julia for a period of five months in between houses, eight kids in the house. It was a lot of fun. And, uh, and we also brought with us at least two or three bunnies um, and a cat and a dog, and not all of them came out alive, but that's another story for another day. And uh, But... Our cat, uh, Callie, we had found in a drain tile years before, and Hannah, in particular, loves animals, and uh, most of the animals we have in our house are her fault, and so this cat is in our house, and um, she loves this cat, but now we move with Jonathan and Julia, and the cat is not liked by their cat. They have an issue, and they don't get along, and so now our cat just takes off. Now, this was several years ago, so every night... Hannah would be outside of my window and would be yelling, Callie, Callie, every night. At nighttime, she'd be praying, God, please let Callie come back home. During the daytime, at school, when the teacher asked, what do you guys have to pray for? She would say, pray that my cat comes back home. And so we go, like one week, every night, Callie, Callie. And the second week, every night, Callie, God, please let Callie come home. Every night. Week three, we're now into third week. 
Callie, Callie. She is calling out for her, praying to God that this cat would be returned to us. And I'm beginning to think what most dads would think. This cat is dead. This cat has gone to wherever cats go. Hell. That's where they go. That's, they go to hell. Um, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. No, I'm just kidding. Um, uh, no, I'm not. I'm just, no, I'm just being serious. Um, anyway, so uh, anyway, this cat, I'm like, she's praying every night, all right, three weeks. So I finally decided I've got to do my dadly duty. I have, to, I have to sit her down. I have to break her the bad news. Babe, listen, I'm really sorry. You just got to know this cat is not coming back. I mean, it's just the way it is, and um, so sorry. And she looks at me with just like this. She wasn't shocked at all. She wasn't crying. She just looks at me like, no, it's coming back. I go, okay. So now the very next night, no kidding, nighttime, cat, she comes walking in with the cat. I am shocked. My, I mean, like my mouth just, I could not believe this cat was there. And I mean, literally, I thought this cat is a goner for sure. And uh, she's just, it's so great, and the cat. And, and we're going to bed that night, and uh, I sit by her bedside there for just a minute, and I go, Hannah, are you, are you not surprised at all? I mean, I'm so shocked. I'm like, are you not shocked at all? About she's like, no, Dad. I prayed about it every day. And I thought, well, that's the prayer of a child. And I thought, well, that's a simple thing. Does God really care about cats? And I thought, you know what? God cares about her. And sometimes in the lessons of our children, we see lessons for ourselves. When was the last time I prayed persistently every day, day after day after day after day, for something that mattered so much um, to me? And in the moments, you realize God does care. God does answer. God does care what you care about. The Bible is pretty clear. Pray about those little things. Ask daily for things. Pray about the big things. Really, I mean, remember the Lord's Prayer? Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us what we need right now. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And remember that prayer is all about our willingness to yield to God's will. Not my will, but your will be done. And so when you pray, pray with that mentality of, God, I want to stay persistent because, God, I know that you care. And, God, I want whatever it is that you think is best. Listen to what Paul writes in Galatians 6, 9. Let us not get tired of doing what is right. For in the right time, in due season, you will reap a harvest of righteousness if you do not give up. You will reap if you don't give up. And friends, there are some of you in here today that you've given up on praying for something. And I'm telling you, the scripture is very clear. Keep on praying. Keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Keep on asking and do not give up. Some of you need to be praying for a spouse that needs to come back to the Lord. Some of you need to be praying for your marriage to be restored. 
Some of you need to be praying for your child who is a prodigal child that's wandered and needs to come back home. Some of you need to be praying for your child to come to Christ for the first time. Some of you need to be praying for faithfulness in your relationship, that you're living according to God's word. Some of you need to be praying for that person at work that you know that you want an opportunity to be able to talk to about something that God wants to have them looked at in their life. Some of you need to be praying about your finances. Some of you need to be praying about your job. Whatever it is today, just keep on keeping on. God, we thank you today for your word, and we just thank you for teaching us through the example of your scripture, through the example of parables in the Bible that teach us that you're not like that friend or that unjust judge. Um, You are a loving God who wants the best for us. And God, thank you for teaching us through the example of of, of really um, of a child's faith that says, no, I'm not surprised at all. I just was praying for it every day. I knew God was going to show up. So God, we thank you for loving us and thank you for caring for the things that we care about. And thank you for taking these moments of pause and waiting. We know, God, sometimes you say yes. Sometimes you say no. Sometimes you say not yet. And God, help us to be faithful no matter what the answer is. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.